Thanks for listening to the Dearest Doula podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Sines, and this is episode 95. Right. Hello and welcome, dearest doula community. Today we are being rejoined by one of our previous guests. She is a doula and gentle birth instructor, currently serving clients in the Central Florida area. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Miss Lisa Dowling. How are you today, Lisa? I'm good, Natalie. Thank you. Nice to see you again. Oh, yeah, nice to see or hear from you again, too. Now, for our dearest doula listeners who aren't already aware, we had Lisa join us on the show a while back. She came out in episode 63, wherein we really discussed um, a lot of great information on the general birth program and what it has to offer our clients. But for today, we're going to be focusing on a different topic, and that is the topic of VBAC. So um, what I'd like to have you do, Lisa, is just share a little bit more on, first off, what a VBAC is, just in case, you know, a lot of our listeners are those new and prospective doulas. And so sometimes I find myself assuming and using terminology that I forget they may not even understand, you know, what VBAC means. So if you wouldn't mind kind of just creating that baseline definition of what that is and what that can mean for moms, that'd be a great place to start, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, VBAC is a vaginal birth after cesarean. So it's basically moms who have had one or more cesarean deliveries and they want to try for a vaginal delivery on their next birth. Awesome. Exactly. And so that is something that we do find ourselves coming across um, often as birth workers, whether again, it's the doula or the midwifery, whichever component you're coming from. Um, It's not going to be unusual for you to find moms who are striving to achieve a vaginal birth after cesarean and who have a lot of questions perhaps about whether or not they are good VBAC candidates. And so today I really kind of want to touch on what exactly that means, um, why there's fear around it, why it's an important and relevant topic for us to to be knowledgeable about. So I guess to start off, Lisa, do you have anything regarding the history of VBACs or how women um, who are striving for that vaginal birth after cesarean are, are being treated in today's time? Well, I think with, with, with VBACs, the, the rates are, you know, they're, they're, they're shockingly low compared to what, what they would have been. The VBAC rates have gone down um, over the last, you know, kind of significant significant amount of time, and and that's you know obviously corresponded with the cesarean rate going up. Um, the mm-hmm. the cesarean rate is increased by like it, it's increased by sixty percent since nineteen ninety six. So, um, in in turn, obviously that's had a massive effect on the on the feedback rate as well. And I think the the biggest struggle that that moms are facing um, who want to to try and um, achieve a VBAC is finding a provider that's that's fully on board with them and supportive of their decision. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, you know, I think that kind of raises an interesting question. I remember when my own mom was um, getting ready to have uh, her second birth and her third birth, there were a lot of other women that had had um, cesareans for their first or, or whichever birth it was. And either way, the subsequent birth, it was just without question that it was going to be a, a C-section. And so I think in today's time, that's something that is talked about a lot more, but that there is still kind of maybe this general information or misinformation about floating around regarding whether or not C-sections are necessary or, or even um, potentially harmful to moms when they're considering birthing more children. So if we could touch on that, I know that there's a lot of misconceptions out there about VBACs, a lot of fear, um, and you know whether that's purposefully done by care 
healthcare providers or just general misinformation that is stubbornly floating around today, um, I think that'd be some some great topics to to touch on. So do you have any um, larger fears or bigger concerns that you hear coming up time and time again from moms? Um, I think the biggest I, I think the biggest thing that, that that moms run into is is misinformation, like you said, when they when they look to start down the road of of, of finding a provider that's supportive of VBAC, um, numbers are thrown around, you know, numbers surrounding um, uterine rupture, and you mm-hmm. know, the, the, I've often heard moms say that they've been told that the placenta will stop working if they go past a certain date and things like that. So there, there is an awful lot of misinformation as regards the safety surrounding VBAC. Um, for like the, the actual rate for rupture is 0.7 to 0.9 percent which is, you know, it, it's it's very, very low. It's not, you know, the, the American College of Gynecologists recommends that, you know, moms should be supported when they want to have a trial of labor for VBAC. And that doesn't just include, they don't just, you know, um, consider appropriate candidates to be moms that have had one cesarean. They also say that it's appropriate for moms that have had two previous cesarean deliveries and also moms that are pregnant on twins, that they should not be excluded from having a trial of labor for VBAC because of those reasons. Right, exactly. And and I do just want to touch on that uh, on that statistic you shared. It is just worth mentioning for the purposes of this show. Um, first off, everything we share on this show is just for general educational purposes only. We are not healthcare practitioners. We don't want anything that we say or share on the show to be taken as direct words of advice in case we do have expectant parents that are listening. Um, this is just to provide that general knowledge base and to kind of open up your minds to further inquiry. So I just wanted to get that to disclaimer out there. And then also going back to that stat, um, that is also specifically for those low transverse or bikini cut cesarean incisions. Um, I don't really know what the difference is statistically between whether or not it's a it's a transverse cut or um, more of the vertical cut. But, but either way, it is important to get that out there because I do think there is a lot of fear and misinformation, like you just said, about placental abruption. And um, some resources will even compare the risk of complications uh, or for uterine rupture as about the same rate that a first-time mom would face anyway for cord prolapse or shoulder dystocia or various other things. So again, I feel like there's a lot of um, of focus and things just get really honed in on that uterine rupture, but something important to consider and something that I love that doulas are sure to make themselves aware of and um, help their clients to become more aware of too. Is there anything else that you feel um, is a big pain or or fear point that you see among parents when it comes to the idea of VBACs? Yeah, well, I mean, like like you said, you know, the, the majority of moms that are trying to have a VBAC are not going to experience, you know, too many different um, issues to a mom um, on her on her first baby. But, you know, the, the focus is never on the fact that, you know, the, the language around it, the focus is never on the fact that 99% of women you know, going for a VBAC will have no problem. The focus is always on that 0.7 to 0.9 percent, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think a, a large, there's an awful lot of work to be done surrounding language when it comes to um, helping moms have the best birth for them. And I think a, bi- a big part of that is what I was saying to you about the, the patient-doctor um, relationship and ensuring that they're getting the right type of support, the correct information, 
and that everybody is kind of working off the same, you know, the same hymn sheet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, do, I do I do think so I think with like you know you know my background with gentle birth I think that the, the main thing for any mom and and including VBAC moms is that they have the right support for whatever decisions they are making that they have the right support around them so even for a VBAC mom it, it's it's all down to that it's down to her feeling confident and calm so that even if it ended up with it with another cesarean that she feels that she was fully supported in her decisions every step of the way and fully informed that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't scaremongering. It wasn't, you know, that she was being unsafe or anything like that. It was just that the relationship, the good trusting relationship was there between the mom and her doctor and that they made decisions together and for the best outcome for mom, whatever that may be. Exactly. Is there anything specifically that you feel birth workers can do, um, whether it's just going to specific places for further education or things that we can implement in our services with our with our clients to help make sure that we're providing that compassionate and knowledgeable support for VBAC clients? Yeah, I definitely like I I honestly think that a big part of this is getting the dads um, or the birth partners to to fully understand where mom is coming from. And a lot of the time for me personally, that's them going to a class, whether that's a gentle birth workshop or a VBAC workshop where the dad comes along. And because I've seen it happen so many times in the VBAC workshops that I teach where the dad comes in and they, 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 they see it from a different perspective when they're leaving, because it's not about, you know, mom uh, making decisions that might put herself at risk and and dad needs to see that dad or, or the birth partner needs to be really on board with mom's decision and understand where she's coming from because a lot of the time when you know you have a cesarean birth whether or not mom is 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 traumatized by it or not sometimes the birth partner can be quite traumatized but because all the focus oh, sure. is on is, is on mom at the time it kind of just gets put to the side and then it never you know those feelings or those emotions never get um, they never get tackled or, or dealt with. So then when it comes around to another baby, all dad is thinking about is that ER situation last time around where, you know, his his partner and his baby or her partner, her baby were, you know, brought away for, you know, massive abdominal surgery. And if that was an emergency situation, even more so the reason as to why dad would be apprehensive about mom wanting a VBAC and, the birth partner support is so important that I, I honestly think the best thing any birth worker can do is make sure that they get the couple to go to some form of a class that covers VBAC and cover and you know, so, so dad really feels that he knows all the information and he doesn't think that there's anything that mom is doing that is, that's going to be specific, you know, specifically dangerous for, for her and the baby because no, no VBAC mom is looking to put their baby or themselves at risk. And I think that's the bottom line. No, nobody is going to do something that's unsafe for them or their baby, but they want to know next time after the next birth, if that's a cesarean or if it's a vaginal birth, they want to know that they they were in control of those decisions and they did everything they could to try and, and, and have a vaginal birth if that's what they wanted. And if it didn't go that way, for them to be at peace with it, they need to know that they had the right support and they made the right decisions for them at the time. 
Right, exactly. Oh, that was so wonderfully said. And um, yeah, you hit upon something I think is so important is making sure that just as in any other situation with our clients, we are really doing our best to strive to incorporate and include that birth partner in the decisions that are going on and the processes that, that the parents are about to face. And maybe um, taking that special time to address any specific fears or concerns that they have, because that is definitely something that is shared between the two. And so making sure you take Take that time to explore those birth partners' feelings and emotions um, is definitely going to pay off. And just a, a couple other things I can think of is taking some time to to get the details and talk about what her previous birth experience was like. Um, you know, making sure that you kind of walk through that. It, Birth trauma is something that can stay with parents indefinitely, you know, and so whether it was a year ago or whether it was 10 years ago, that that is something that if the mother is comfortable and open to it and wants to explore that we can definitely do our part within our scope, you know, of course, um, to go through with her and help her prepare for what's different this time. Um, and then just, yeah, having those resources, those statistics ready that are going to help empower and inform them. Um, making sure that she's aware of her chances of having a vaginal birth, um, that a lot of times that's greater than a first-time mother if she if she is seeking out the proper support and education and, and knowledge during her pregnancy, um, and then making sure that she's just very informed and educated on the birthing facility that she's going to. You know, what are their policies and procedures, making sure that she's taking a closer look at the stance that her healthcare provider has and is really surrounding herself with people that aren't just um, who, someone who like tolerates a VBAC versus someone who openly and expressly supports it. You know, and there, there is a difference in healthcare providers who will say, well, sure, you can have it. And then someone who is absolutely doing their best from the role that they're coming from to help you make that possible. And just really learning to differentiate between the two with the more questions you ask. Um, something else that I think is really helpful is actually having somebody talk to you about what were to happen if things were to go in a way that you fear. Like I know I'm, I'm going through my second pregnancy right now and I had a C-section uh, eight going on nine years ago. And I'm a birth professional. I'm a doula and I've learned about the physiological and the emotional sides of birth. And I've got to tell you, all of that kind of falls on the wayside. And when I'm lying in bed at night and my mind has time to think and roam around, it is something that even comes on my mind. So it's not at all unreasonable for them to hold that fear and we should never make them feel that that is unreasonable. But I know something that definitely helped me and that I'm sure would help some of our clients is to literally just be talked through what would happen in the event that your worst fear were to occur? What would happen if my uterus were to rupture? How would my healthcare professional handle it? Just actually paint me the picture. Now that, that might not be for everybody. Some people just don't want to don't want don't want to know and want to be left in the dark. But identifying if that's something that could better serve your client and prepare your client um, might also be something to consider. I know that definitely helped me. I had to sit down with my midwife and I said, look, I know it's unreasonable. I know the statistics. I know that I'm confident in myself. But but this just keeps this keeps like cropping back up. So let's talk about it. Let's just get it out there. And um, and it really did wonders for me. It's something that I don't find myself holding um, stress over or anxiety over anymore. And so that's just I, I think one other thing that we can keep in mind in addition to all the other encouragement and empowering language that we use around our clients. So Lisa, I know that um, we were sharing in our pre-interview chat that you also have a VBAC story of your own. And so if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to kind of have you share that with our listeners. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, my first uh, pregnancy was, you know, I was planning a home birth. I didn't want to be anywhere near the hospital. I wanted a natural birth. I didn't want to get, you know, I, I knew what the cesarean rates were. I didn't want to go down that route. My mother had had um, two cesareans and I, I knew it's not what I wanted. I didn't want to be pushed that way. So mm-hmm. I made plans to have a, a home birth. But um, there was there was arguments over when my actual um, due date was. So when I hit 14 days past what they believed to be my, my due date, was not allowed to have the home birth so I was booked in for an induction um and that 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 32 hour induction ended in ended in the cesarean section so and and I put a lot of it down to the fact that I went into the hospital extremely tense uh, and terrified of what was to come because I did exactly what you were talking about there I completely buried my head in the sand as it's the hospital I I just told no that's not going to happen uh, no absolutely not not even going to think about it and I completely mm-hmm. blanked it and it does not work for anyone it, it does not work you can you know you cannot turn a complete blind eye to one of the biggest events of your life and then leave it up to faith as to whether you have a positive experience or not that's exactly what I did and it was not a good outcome for me not talking some cesareans are exactly what a woman wants and is comfortable with and has a great experience of it um, I was not mentally prepared for that. I was not emotionally prepared for that. And mm-hmm. I came away from that. I, I didn't, I luckily, I didn't, I didn't suffer from postnatal depression, but post-traumatic stress, I, I could not talk about the, the, the experience for the best part of a year afterwards. I do not remember the first five or six weeks of my child's life. I don't remember his first smile. I, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. stuff is blanked out for me from that period. Um, and, and I do hold a certain I, I know some of the accountability is on the hospital for their policies and the time frames and the, you know the just the, the general things that happened on the day I have to take ownership of the accountability on my side that I did not do anything to prepare myself for those possibilities so when I teach my classes whether it's a VBAC candidate or a first-time mom they have to have birth preferences that describe what they want of whatever outcome it is so if a cesarean becomes necessary I would like to have skin to skin immediately baby's born once me and baby are okay things like that they need to take ownership of that part just in case you're going to work towards the best scenario you know you're going to work towards the birth you want but you need to hold on to something for if it goes the other way you need to have that little control to keep yourself in a good calm of mind for if that happens and that's not a scaremongering tool that is just making sure that you are fully prepared for everything on the day so that you can turn around afterwards and say you know what that's not what I wanted but I still feel like I had a good experience because it was on you know I, I made those decisions. so I came away from the first like I said very I didn't even want to think about having another baby it was just not even on my radar but then when my son was about a year old I, I didn't want him growing up without another, another child in the house so we made the decision to have one more baby when I got pregnant on the second I was really excited but then all of a sudden fear just gripped me all over again and I, you know all those feelings started coming back so that was actually when I when I started talking to Tracy Donegan and Gentlebirth because I knew that if I went into this the second time round, 
the same way as I did the first time that it was going to have the same. I, I absolutely had to to overcome those fears that I had in the hospital. Otherwise, I was going to do the same thing and completely tense up when I went in again this time around. Um, and, and I had no option for home birth um, because I'd had a previous cesarean and the laws in Ireland at the time prevented midwives attending VBACs at home. So my only option was the hospital and I needed to make sure that I got myself in a good frame of mind for that. So that's when I came, that's when I started with the and started working towards mentally preparing myself for whatever outcome because it wasn't enough to just prepare for a VBAC. I had to be prepared for a VBAC or a repeat cesarean. I had to be prepared for both to be able to allow my body to relax enough to go into labor and for things to progress nicely. Um, and, and you know, like a, a lot of that was dealing with the the emotions of the first birth. Like you said, a lot of it comes back to you when, when, when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, again and uh, you know all these things come into your head so you, you re- what I what I started doing was I started listening to my tracks when I was waiting on my my um my obstetrician's appointment in the hospital we, we we could be waiting up to an hour so I put the headphones in and I'd get myself used to being fully relaxed in that environment because it was a very important aspect for me to not you know be nervous going in um and and sure enough every all the all the work I put in and all the you know, the effort I put in, I, I went to term plus five, which again was all stuff I discussed with my care provider at the time that I did not want to discuss induction or anything surrounding a repeat cesarean until I was 10 days past my um, my estimated uh, due date. So we didn't discuss anything. But at term plus five, I went into labor, spontaneous labor, didn't, you know, I, I, like I said, I've been doing gentle birth. So when the contraction started, I was just like, okay, okay, that might be one. Yeah, that might be one again. And I, I, I went, I did the shopping. I was, what am I going to do for dinner tonight? Fully expecting it to stop. You know, I was kind of <laughs> knew there were contractions, but wasn't really believing it because I didn't go into labor first time around at plus fourteen on on on, on my first. So I really didn't believe I was in labor. But they kept coming coming and then you know we eventually made the decision when it was right for us to to go for the hospital go to the hospital I think I labored for about four hours but they, they were very like when I say labored it was very early labor I was very comfortable and when they started ramping up and um, we went to the hospital so my my daughter my feedback baby Shannon was born uh, just about four and a half hours after we arrived at the hospital and uh, no stitches um, just really, really relaxed, uh, gentle, ev- everything that, that I wanted for, for the birth was exactly what I got. And I think that was because I'd done so much preparation. I was at peace with whatever was coming. I was completely oh, at peace with it. And I knew I was in control of, of, of every decision along the way. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad that you got to share that VBAC story with us, Lisa. Before we move into the nitty gritty, I want to pause for a moment to get a quick word in from our sponsors. Are you a doula or childbirth professional who wants to deliver the best experience to your clients? Do you also want to make sure you're being smart about the best ways to run your business? Consider joining Your Birth Experience. Their training and curriculum is used nationwide by childbirth professionals who learn how to connect with clients, identify their needs, and equip them for their own unique experience. Participants of Your Birth Experience will also learn valuable branding, sales, marketing, and pricing strategies. They empower you with confidence by combating myths with facts, using simple and effective training techniques, and by getting you the tools and resources you need to make informed decisions. 
Learn more about their step-by-step training process at yourbirthexperience.com and use the code DEAREST-DOULA for 10% off your purchase. Again, that website was yourbirthexperience.com. Want to build a doula business that supports you as well as your clients? If you love being a doula with all of your heart, yet struggle to find clients to grow a thriving business, Babo Mia's Don't Doula It Yourself business trainings and memberships are here to guide you every step of the way. Whether you want trainings on social media, goal setting, marketing, or more, they have trainings that you are going to love. Visit them at training.babomia.com and click on the pay-per-view tab for a complete list of trainings, including a pretty amazing and free business prep school video series. You can also use the code DEAREST to get 50% off any of the pay-per-view videos or monthly membership. And again, that website was training.babomia.com and Babomia is spelled B-E-B-O-M-I-A. All right, Lisa, we are back. And so what I'd like to do next is just kind of have you touch on what I like to call the nitty gritty of the show. And this is really where we challenge our speakers to get down to the essence of today's topic. So if our listeners were to walk away with just one or two key points out of everything we discussed on the importance of VBACs, what would you hope that that is? Um, I would hope that anybody trying for a VBAC, that they do their own research that whether that's true with childbirth education class or at the very, very minimum going online and, and getting the right information from an unbiased source, like the actual facts, the, the, the likes of the American College of Gynecologists, ICANN, feedback facts, go to these websites, do your own research and be proactive about finding this information. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for that. And yeah, we already, that kind of led us right into the next, um, into the next little segment, which is just helping to put the do in these doulas and get them connected with all those awesome resources. And like you said, ACOG, VBAC Facts, those are some great online resources where they could go. And um, since it looks like we have just a little more time, did you happen to have a favorite quote you could share with us for today? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any 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 quotes per se, but the the one thing I will I will say for 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 any mom, whether it's feedback or otherwise, or any birth worker, is you, your focus has to be on how will you remember this, or or for the doula, how will mom remember this, because that's what it comes down to. That that's what the emotional health and the mental health of mom is based on: how they remember the birth, how they perceive it, and you know that that's that for me when I'm working with any parents is is what I'm thinking whether it's in the doula aspect or if I'm trying to prepare them for childbirth and I'm talking to the birth partners I'll say that to the birth partner as well you you have to ask yourself you know if mom wanted to have you know kind of breathing her baby down and nice and relaxed and she has three people around her you know trying to push her into purple pushing or coached pushing how is she mm-hmm. going to remember that? And that—that that is the thing that all birth workers, even as far as obstetricians, midwives, you have to put some focus on that. And because mom's emotional health and mental health in the postpartum period can be quite delicate, and we need to have a large focus on 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 how they are perceiving their how they're perceiving their birth. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Well, Lisa, the Dearest Doula community will be able to find links to all of those amazing resources and everything of value that you mentioned on today's show by going to dearestdoula.com, clicking the podcast button and finding this page in the archives, or by simply entering VBAC, that's V-B-A-C, in the search bar to have this episode's show notes page pop right up. Thank you so much again for coming on. And as we wrap up, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little more about you and the best way we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye, that would be great. 
Yeah, no problem. Anybody that wants to connect with me about uh, gentle birth feedback or if, you know, if there's a mom that just wants to talk about their own experience, my, my email is lisa at gentlebirth.com. Um, they can find out more about gentle birth on the website, just gentlebirth.com. But for the VBAC um, information, as you said, you'll have it on the website. Definitely go to the American College of Gynecologists and the ICANN sites and connect with your local ICANN chapter because it's such a supportive group that are all after experiencing or about to experience the same as you are. So definitely connect with the ICANN community as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on and sharing your insights and knowledge on today's topic. The Dearest Doula community sends you a warm hug. And thanks to your episode, we're now all one step closer to being connected, educated, and empowered. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you.